This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave. Piney Woods of North Central Florida and God's country. A little bit rainy today. I think the state's going to get a little inundation of that wet stuff from the clouds. Climate change. Here we go. And uh, we are, of course, in the Mellon Law Studio. Mellon Law is the only official law firm partner of the Fighting Gators. Protected 24-7, 365 by crime prevention and sponsored by on-the-spot cleaners and r and Construction. All-state insurance by Julia Cassio. Oh, dare I leave somebody out? Style Cuts, Poser MD. And all those folks who uh, uh, quietly, every once in a while, uh, support us with a contribution from um, their end of the checkbook. Boy, it's very much appreciated. We put all that into our research world where we try to bring you up-to-date information <clears throat> about things you might not get the information anywhere else from, really. Podcasting is one of those places where Really, we still have some freedom, even though we can't say beep and all that business without fear of trepidation. That's but right, we got Ted, Ted Yoel ah. with us. <laughs> Ted is here with us on Wednesday. And Ted and I were talking just a moment ago before we came on the air that, wow, have things changed since the last, maybe not changed, just revealed what we've been talking about right. all along. That's basically it. What Ted and I have been talking about all along is now revealed for you to see. We're going to talk about it, of course. We have to. And it's not going to be pretty because a lot of this. Feel it. It's being revealed and it's ugly. It's ugly. And a lot of this, I'm telling you, borders on just downright treason. Um, Ted, we've talked about your list, which is so (laughs) leadership and uh, all the, the debt and. But leadership is where I come back to right now. Do you have any comments or thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, that was one of the main reasons I ran. You know, when Obama came out and talked about fundamentally transforming America, I got looking and said, what are we lacking? What we're lacking is vision and leadership. And I go back to John Kennedy when he painted the picture of us going to the moon and returning home safely before the end of the decade of the 1960s. We did that, and we did that because there was a challenge by a president that was respected. And my Republican friends like to point out he was a Democrat, but today he wouldn't be elected in the Democratic Party. Um, But he had a vision and leadership. Reagan did that, and we've not had that since then. Trump came out with Magnum, Make America Great Again. That's a pretty broad brushstroke. What is lacking in Washington? And this is this is the, the dichotomy between the Democrats and the Republicans. The Democrats are lockstep in what they're trying to accomplish. And what they're trying to accomplish is the fundamental transformation of America, not just trying to accomplish it. They are accomplishing it. The Republicans, you know, they stick to their platform, you know, fiscal responsibility, pro-life, secure borders. But then you ask yourself, where are they? Where is the Republican Party and the members of Congress you know, sticking to a game plan. They don't have a game plan that, I mean, that's the right thing to do, but they're not marching forward with it. And that comes from the tone and the attitude of the leader. And this is why Kevin McCarthy should never have been uh, uh, voted in as the speaker um, for the reasons I listed when I wrote the editorial about that. And, um, you know, it's a shame that it's taken over a year to get him removed, it would have been better not to have him. But here we are, and let's hope that whoever they pick, whether it's Scalise or Jordan, that they paint that picture where the Republican Party knows and the American people know these people are fighting to accomplish that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I, I feel like I'm okay with either one of those guys. 
Scalise or Jordan? Uh, uh, it's not my first two picks, but I would be. It would be an improvement over uh, McCarthy. I would have to go with Jordan over Scalise, and uh, you know, Steve is a very nice guy, very, uh, um, um, very grounded. But he's been part of leadership, and if you go back to what he said in 2009 or 2010 when he came in about our debt, saying it's our, one of us, our biggest threats, we've got to get it under control which we all agree, but here he's been in there since 2009. Where you been? Where you been, Steve? How come you're working lockstep with leadership? The other thing is, and you've heard me say this, is uh, when Trump first got in there, one of the first things he wanted to do was repeal and replace Obamacare. Well, the bill that Paul Ryan convinced the president was a uh, a repeal and a replacement for Obamacare was not, and Steve Scalise admitted to me, that this bill would not repeal Obamacare. and But he was selling it to the president. And so I lost a lot of respect for him in leadership because he was willing to bend his principles to get a win on a bill signed that would have been terrible for America. And here we are, you know, since 2010, stuck with Obamacare. And, uh, you know, there's parts of it that the Supreme Court says are illegal. So, you know, this is where the Democrats... They don't care if it's legal or not. They do it, and they stay lockstep together. The Republicans, we sit there and fight. Instead, and if I'm, I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced, if we had an agenda that was bought in by the members of Congress, we could move this country way forward in a lot better direction and go back to the center. We got to go to the right, unfortunately, but it would be based on the founding principles, our core values, and uh, the Constitution. I mean, it's pretty evident. Is there any chance that this McCarthy will circle back and get in the mix again? I think there's a chance, but I think it would be a huge mistake. I mean, he was unpopular. He's a weak leader. He's shown how weak of a leader he is. You know, supposedly the reason that uh, Patrick McHenry was so angry and and tried to break the gavel um, was because behind closed doors, Pelosi had committed the Democrats that would not vote against him. And they all voted against him. So, you know, his um, status as a leader has been tarnished and he can't ever come back from that. From this point forward, Kevin McCarthy will be a regular member of Congress that used to be the speaker and the only speaker that's ever been basically impeached or removed by his own conference. But I shouldn't say his own conference because there's only eight members that voted against him out of the Republican. And that again goes back to, one of the reasons Matt Gates went after him and the Republicans and the disdain for him was because he was passing the debt ceiling increase with Democrats, more Democrats than Republicans. He, uh, the last bill they had come up, they had more Democrats than Republicans. And it's um, ironic that Matt Gates went after him saying he's passing stuff with more Democrats. And then the motion to vacate had more Democrats than Republicans. So, you know, they're pretty much two uh, nuts in the same shell. How long can this drag out again now, Ted? Do you have any idea before we get this thing settled? Um, how long can it drag out? It can drag out to the next election. Um, really? You know, That'd be terrible, wouldn't it? It would be terrible. And mm-hmm. this is where it's critical that they can recover if they elect somebody and that somebody has an agenda and says, what are we going to do? What do you guys want to do? We've got uh, eight appropriations that need to get done and passed. And then they really need to go after the fundamental changes that Obama and Biden have done that have really damaged this country. You know, you look at our border. I think the next biggest one would be the election issues that they brought up that uh, allows for the mail-in voting. They extended the period of time. We're the only industrialized nation or upper income nation that allows mail-in ballots. Everybody else got rid of them because of fraud. And, um, you know, I think we need to have only U.S. citizens vote. I think there needs to be signature verification. I think there needs to be verification of you when you go in there as in a a voter ID that says this is who you are. And I think you need to have proof of residency of where you live. And I think there should be a citizen, um, a citizenship requirement. And um, but I don't see anybody in Congress doing that. Those are the things that are critical that will change the results of the next election and get rid of the drop box, get rid of all that. And I I think we've talked multiple times about moving to a national election day. 
everybody votes on the same day and get rid of all this nefarious stuff that goes on. The longer you extend that voting period, the more ripe it is for fraud and, and cheating and bad things happening. And I think we've seen that over and over again. And it's time we wise up and it's time we, the people, hold our elected officials accountable and say, by God, we want this done and we want it done now. And, you know, they're going to be there asking for money and I'm fighting hard for you in this election season coming up. And then I think it's our duty to say, prove it. You know, what have you done to do these things? So I'll turn it back over to you. We got a question from one of the viewers. Do the Biden hearings continue without a speaker? I don't think a whole lot's going to happen up there. Um, They pretty much brought everything to a close. Um, uh, I think they're gaveling in today or maybe yesterday to start the process. It could go because the, the hearing still could go on, but I don't know if that's going to be their focus because, as you remember, Kevin McCarthy nominated Patrick McHenry to be the speaker pro tem in case something like this happened. Um, and, I, and I think that's a huge slap in the face for Steve Scalise. And that shows you the rift between Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise. What's that about? Uh, it's power struggle. You know, I think Steve was more, um, uh, um, he was more liked in the conference, more trusted in the conference. Um, you know, we all have our shortcomings. And uh, I think if it was Steve versus McCarthy, Steve would have won hands down. Going with Ted Yoho here during our wonderful day, Wednesday with Ted. Uh, we were kidding in production and I before Ted came on. He always comes on. We're not sure where he'll be. Um, <laughs> Mongolia or South Korea or uh, tomorrow night he'll be at the Black Tie Blue Jean, be one of the speakers. So uh, Be there for a short period of time. Yeah. I look yeah. forward to that. Uh, I want to see Governor Scott or Seth. That what what do we call him now? The governor, uh, the, the governor, the governor. Yeah. Well, I uh, got a lot of respect for him. I think I got more respect for him now, knowing his background, the wealthy, the, his wealth. He doesn't need to do this, but he's a guy doing this for a cause, not for a position or power. He he could care less about that, and he showed that at the beginning of the new Senate. When uh, he voted, um, you know, when he ran against Mitch McConnell, Uh, I just wish there were more people that would have backed him. You know, Mitch McConnell, he served this nation, but he's having health problems. He needs to leave and um, and and just step aside and let somebody else take the leadership. Scott would have been um, done well there. He's uh... yeah, he's a matter of fact type of leader. It's like, no, yes, we're going to get this done. Well, the other significant thing that uh, we've talked about is leadership on the international level. You've oh, been involved in a lot of foreign affairs. What do you make of what's going on right now, Ted? Well, again, I think you see what's going on right now and that what is going to happen in the future. What you're seeing is a lack of leadership on the world stage of the United States of America. There's several things here. One, there's not a clear agenda. Uh, of what America is doing or where we're going. We've got the bad rap from Afghanistan and Iraq, 20 years in there in both countries we walked away from, and they have reverted back to Taliban rule in Afghanistan after 20 years. Uh, All the uh, progress that we made that really anti to the Muslim world in that area, they fell apart if we're not there to police it. And that's not our role to be the policeman. That was it, we should never have been in there. Uh, I think there's a way we could have gone after the Saudis or Osama bin Laden in a lot more effective way. And then, um, you know, so that lack of leadership is is paramount on where America stands in the world, not just today, but in the future. It'll take us a long time to build up that goodwill we had after World War II. The other thing is when you look at a bumbling, stumbling person like Biden out there. I don't know if you heard his speech on um, standing with Israel. Yeah. I mean, he gave a speech that was, I mean, it was like a short talking point and we're there with Israel. We're standing side by side with him. I don't think anybody believes that. I don't think he, uh, I don't know if he knows what he said and I don't think he believes what he said. I mean, it was just very, uh, very mundane and, 
it wasn't inspirational at all. And the world looks at that. And I've shared that story when I was in Japan talking with one of their senior legislators. And he said that the United States have always been known as the United States of America. And that's what gave us our strength and our credibility around the world. He goes, but today you're viewed as the divided States of America. And if you're divided, the world is less safe. And I think that's playing out. And I, I truly believe if Trump had been in there, Putin wouldn't have gone into Ukraine. North Korea wouldn't be doing what they're doing. Iran wouldn't have gone into Israel uh, like they did through their proxy, Hezbollah and Hamas. And no telling what is going to happen in the, in the Western Hemisphere with uh, China, Russia, Iran, and Central and South America, and then China and Russia in Cuba, you know, 90 miles off the coast of Florida. And they're building joint military training exercise places. Plus, they have military vessels in this area. Iran has military vessels in Brazil. China has both sides of the Panama Canal with military vessels. I mean, the writing is on the wall of what is getting ready to come. And the, 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 it's not just the rhetoric. It's the actions of what China is doing. They're preparing for war. They're preparing to take over Taiwan. And then they're ready to come against us. You know, keep in mind, they're building a larger Navy than we have. They have a larger Navy now, but they perfected the hypersonic weapons. And I forget the speed that they can travel at, but I know they can go 1,800 miles in minutes. It's like 13 minutes. I mean, that's how fast they are. So we have no defense against that. Um, And this is something we've known that's been coming for the last seven or eight years. Um, And shame on us that we focus on, you know, uh, transgender and equity and wokeism and all these other things. I'm not saying they're not important, but when you triage a list of important things, this probably, those things that our country is focused on are on the very bottom. And we're ignoring these things at the top. And um, these other countries know it. It's like rare earth minerals. Um, China controls that. And we're, we're at their beck and call if they decide to cut off that supply chain, which they could do at any moment. And then one last thing, if you look at the money in America or not, or in the world, there was, I think it's 14 or $19 trillion in U S bonds that have been sold back to the United States uh, from these countries, the BRICS nation, you know, Brazil, Russia, Iran, China, and other nations are saying, we're getting rid of the U.S. currency. This is setting it up for a collapse of the U.S. dollar. And I hope we don't see that because when that happens and when you have the turmoil going on in China with their economy, their their uh, their currency, um, the joblessness they have, there's a lot of countries that are in a lot of domestic struggles. And when countries are in the domestic struggles like that and on the world stage, they're like a wounded animal backed into a corner, and that's when they're most dangerous. You know, one of the things I think you heard me tell this story, and you knew about it, and I really do think, I was thinking about this. Golly, I woke up in the middle of the night thinking about it, Ted. Um, Obama, I've been around since Truman. That's how old I am, you know. Holy I, uh, I, uh, I I know it's awful. I remember my... The elder men talking about Roosevelt, okay? I can remember that, Ted. But this Obama in my lifetime is the only president who didn't love America. He really is. And it was very evident. Didn't love America. Started this whole thing that America was flawed. Um, sure it is. And, <laughs> and Ted smuggled into this country Muslim men. Yeah. Put them at distribution centers like religious campgrounds. We had one over in Palaka where you are. Yep. And then distributed them. Guess where they show up? Michigan. Your place, Minnesota. Yeah, you're guess born where you now have Tennessee and Kentucky have large. Muslim guess where population. you now have Idaho, Palestinian sympathies. 
Yeah, I, I cannot believe that. And I, I think that shows the true colors of the BLM movement, Black Lives Matter. Um, well, they've come out. I remember I sent you that this morning. They've come you out. Did, and I appreciate that. On the side of, of Palestine. Uh huh. And as Judge Gene Peraro said last night on the five, this is not about territory. This is about annihilating the Jewish people. It is. There's no and doubt about that. It's not about, you know, it's our land you're on. It's you, you know, the, the Jew. And since we've got this open border, since we had this president who was admittedly Muslim, right? And sympathetic to those issues from their point of view, let's put it that way. We don't know what's here. We have no idea. We have no we have no knowledge of what's come across that border. And the thing that gets you that has come up again and again, what a surprise this was to intelligence forces that were supposed to have known it was coming. So my thinking is, if it was a surprise to them with the borders they've got, what kind of surprise is waiting for us Right. with the borders we don't have? No, and I, I think that's a very good point you brought up. I mean, it, it is. I mean, uh, the, the Mossad is supposed to be the elite intelligence service in the world. You know, uh, I question ours. You know, we used to think ours were elite, but after the debacle of the Trump and Russia collusion and the way they all work against Trump, which is really a, a, an act of sedition. Um, if they can, if if the Palestinians can mount that kind of an attack secretively, and Mossad did not know this, it is. I, and I think some of that comes from complacency, thinking that you know they're well protected, uh, that you know so many of their people, you know, they serve in the military at age eighteen, and you know they have weapons at home supposedly. Um, and uh, I just think that, uh, with the Iron Dome and uh, David's Arrow, they thought they had um, they were in Penner Patrol. They couldn't get invaded. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, some words don't come out properly. And um, and when that happens, um, you know, you know, they set them. They they let their guard down basically. And uh, you know, so what else is in the works? Like you brought up, I think that's a very good point. You know, what's in the works for the United States when um, we already had, you know, the official word was, I think, seven to eight million people here illegally up to Trump. And now Biden says the borders are secure. Um, and just under him, there's probably been five to 10 million people that have come in illegally. And if we bring something up on the right, we're racist, we're, home, uh, um, we're uh, anti-xenophobic or anti-immigration, and the left will attack us as um, and use this false narrative, oh, you guys think we're just trying to dilute the Anglo-Saxon population. How ridiculous. It's exactly what they're doing. And this plays in the Samuel Huntington's book, uh, The Clash of Civilization, which I recommend everybody read um, because it's exactly what's going on. And it's time you wake up and just say, we're done with this. And this goes back to black tie and blue jeans. You're going to have Rick Scott there. You're going to have Kat Kamek there, uh, who are elected officials. I'll be there. You know, you can tell me anything you want. It won't matter because I can't put in any legislation. But these people need to know how what's going on in this area. And I know Rick Scott does. And we need to let them say, we or let them know, we want this legislation brought up and it needs to be brought up now. Um, and don't send me requests for funds until this stuff is brought up. And, uh, you know, you're, you're shaky right now. We're going to give you our vote. Yeah. So I, I mean, it's time for us to play hardball with these elected officials. And it's a mess up there. It is an absolute mess. Worse than when I was up there. Well, to continue this uh, thought I had here, which is you followed up on very, very well. Um, We have race relationships being played as the 
card all the time in the deck to skew the game, mm-hmm. bring up the racist issue and all that. But, you know, I've also, you know, not only do I go back to, uh, to uh, uh, Truman, but I was <laughs> around as a young man. I'm, or, I'm frank, uh, <laughs> anxiously looking for something I wrote on Truman that I wanted to read to you. <laughs> Good. So I look distracted. I go back to a young man when Martin Luther King was, you know, taking his actions into the street to change America and all that. But he was doing it, Ted, through the Christian religion. He sure was. And that's different now. The blacks have become a Muslim organization. And that ain't good. You know, well, there's the African. What is it? It's the Amer- uh, African. Oh heck, it's a, it's a group, but it's a radical group that hates Israel and they hate America, and they're part of BLM or they're teaming up with BLM. And uh, it, we're we're in some very, very I don't want to say scary, um, but we're in. I guess they are scary and interesting times. Well, we've gone after the people on January 6th as trying to overthrow the government. But we've let Black Lives Matter run wild in the streets. That's another United States divided that I see. You know, it is not a divided, it is not the United States, it is divided states. And this is one more way in which it's divided. And, um, we're spending so much time in these academic institutions making that secular conversations without any basis for Christendom, what is called Christendom. This is, I mean, I found that, that quote from uh, Truman, if you, if you don't mind. Yeah, go for it. The church's role in the world. President Harry Truman held office during the end of World War II, one of the most difficult periods of the 20th century. In this 1946 excerpt, he reminds Americans of what we fought for and how to preserve it. And here's the words he had. We have just come through a decade in which forces of evil in various parts of the world have been lined up in a bitter fight to banish from the face of the earth religion and democracy. Does that sound familiar? For these forces of evil have long realized that both religion and democracy are founded on one basic principle, the worth and dignity of the individual man and woman. Dictatorship, on the other hand, has always rejected that principle. Dictatorship, by whatever name, whatever name is founded on the doctrine that the individual amounts to nothing, that the state is the only thing that counts. And this is this is the Chinese Communist Party. There is no entity in their mind, in their belief, higher than the Communist Party. Um, is the only thing that counts is the state. And that men and women and children were put on earth solely for the purpose of serving the state. In that long struggle between the doctrines, the cause of decency and re- righteousness have been victorious. The right of every human being to live in dignity and freedom, the right to worship his God in his own way, the right to fix his own relationships to his fellow man and his creator. These, again, have been saved for mankind. And then it goes on from there. But I mean, do you hear any leaders today talking about that? I don't hear one leader espousing the beliefs that Harry Truman had after World War II uh, with the amount of death and destruction that he saw. And I hope we don't have to go through that again to have a leader come out and bring this together as a focus because we cannot have a free nation without these things. And John Adams says we have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. Avarice, ambition, revenge of gallantry would break the strongest cords of our Constitution as a well goes through a net. Our Constitution was made only for moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. I mean, that was that was 1780 he wrote that. And uh, these guys were so smart. And it just ticks me off so much 
that um, um, we have we have strayed so far from this. And I think that's why you see that divide in America as bad as it is. You know, we've got to get back to the basics. What you call the Obamanization of America. Sorry to go on so long. <laughs> but it's what you call the Obamanization of America. I want the good viewers here. Oh, I tell you what, he's got a he's got a crack here. He said, uh, Ted, that Ward was Washington's roommate. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a, pot, a white powdered wig? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Well, we're at the bottom of the hour. We're going to take a break talking with Ed Yellow. If you have a question or any comments you want to put in the chat line here, we'll be glad to talk about it and be right back yep. in just a moment. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. A warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! All right, welcome back to Ward Scott Files with Professor. Ward Scott here, talking about, well, the weather, brought to you by Lewis Oil, Chevron, Fossil Fuel, great supporters of us, support them. Um, here in Florida and throughout the southern part of the country, really, I'm looking at the map stretching from Brownsville, Texas, all the way up to Montgomery, Alabama, uh, Jacksonville and all that, we're looking at drenching rain for the next few days, so get prepared. Um Actually, we need it. And once we get it, uh, we'll see what the weather temperature does. Right now, it's not getting above the mid-70s here where we are. So we're getting closer to fireplace weather. By the way, uh, CaliberCoffeeCompany.com, Faith, Family, Firearms, and Coffee. You get free shipping at $50 plus. And if you use the code WARD15, you'll get 15% off. How about that? Can't beat that. Well, 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 well. We are talking with Ted Yoho, who is heating up his coffee. I just hate, heated up my caliber coffee. So uh, here we are. I'm looking at the chat line to see if you have any questions. We're talking about, well, you know, the precarious nature of this world, particularly 
Um, a lot of concerns. We've had a porous, porous border. We really don't know what's here. We've got a Democrat party. It's really questionable whether they're patriotic to the United States Constitution. Um, they seem to have an academic Marxist agenda. They have placed in priority things which the rest of the world is shaking its head about. Its leadership on the foreign level has done such stupid things as to just leave money we provided or military arms on the desert. And that found its way. We have been told that by articles we've researched, found its way into the hands of Hamas. Our weapons. You know, I read Catch-22 years ago. And there you are. I mean, the guys who made war go were the arms dealers. Uh, They didn't care where they got it and to whom they sold it. And the bankers. And the bankers. And look at this. We provide the product. Somebody steps in and sells it. We even underwrite it with our indifference to foreign affairs. We have a reactionary. I want to ask Ted what he thinks about this. We have a foreign affairs reactionary policy, not an action policy. We're always knee-jerking, reacting. What do you think of that, Ted? No, I think you're absolutely right. You said it was underwritten, these arms by um, um, the the arms dealer. Actually, it's underwritten by the American taxpayer. Right, Um, right. We know that the arms from Afghanistan are in Hezbollah and Hamas's hand. The $6 billion, whether it got released or not, sent a signal to Iran that they're they're really in charge, uh, not America. And when you saw um, Biden cripple America going after our energy security, as Trump had for the first time, he crippled America. And then he goes to Saudi Arabia, Arabia, he goes to Venezuela, he goes to Iran, um, he goes to Russia to pump more oil for America. In the meantime, he's depleted the strategic oil reserve by over 60 percent. And... Um, you know, it's just showed weakness. And with what's going on, um, there is no foreign policy. And I finally heard somebody yesterday on one of the uh, few minutes of news I listened to. And this lady was saying, what's wrong with America is our policy changes in foreign policy with every administration. And this is something I thought that our policy shouldn't change. It should be the policy of the United States of America. When that president comes in, he needs to honor that, kind of like a treaty. And if he wants to change it or in times of, uh, of a national emergency like a war, yeah, you can change it. Or if you want to change it, go ahead and change it the way you're supposed to through an act of Congress, Congress and the Senate. And we don't do that because you've heard me say before, uh, like the JCPOA, which was an uh, Iran nuclear deal that Obama did, and the Paris Climate Accord, which Obama did, he did that by executive fiat that was not passed in the House. It was just something he wanted to do because it was a whim. And so he does it. Trump takes us out. Biden puts us back in there. And our allies look at us like we're, you know, we're just in and out. We're doing the hokey pokey and uh, whack-a-mole. We're in, we're out, we're in, we're out. And they don't know where we stand. And that is a big sign of weakness projected to the rest of the world. But it's also projected to Iran, Russia, China. And then you have this administration bending over backwards to appease China. You know, you got Anthony Blinken yelling that. I doubt anybody came and saw yelling. Uh, I certainly wouldn't pay to go see her, even if it was free food. Um, She put this... She's just not somebody that represents America. And then they sent Kamala Harris. And again, I think it's a slap in the face of the dignitaries that we're trying to do. And these people aren't going to speak strong. They're going to talk about equity and and, uh, transgenderism and wokeism. And these other countries are laughing at us. And we have no credibility that is being projected. And that's where somebody like a Trump, you know, people know where he stands or they're 
they're not sure where he stands. And so they're, um, they're more cautious about their actions. Well, it certainly is one of the criticisms of the Achilles heel, I guess, yeah. of our method of choosing leadership, which is based on the premise that the average man knows what he's doing. And that's always, in my mind, been based upon a sound education system, which has been corrupted. So now the average man's head has been corrupted and his information sources have been corrupted and seem to be playing sides with the information as a double standard. Um, it's a strange, strange situation. And there's a lot of nasty scenarios that can be written out of this. There, oh, there definitely is. Yeah. 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 You've what got, I see. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, what I see is the similarity between where the Democratic Party is going. And I, I don't call them Democratic Party anymore. They're a Marxist party, period. Anybody that votes Marx or Democrat today is really a Marxist. Um, I, I know there's people that think, well, it's the old Democratic Party. We're voting for those values. Those values are gone. Look at how closely they're aligned to what the Chinese Communist Party is doing. The authoritarianism. You got to wear a mask. You got to get vaccinated. You got to do this. You can't do that. And then look at our education. You know, parents are concerned about their, t- their, their what is being taught in schools, and they come and voice as we're allowed to, the right to assemble and to, to challenge the government. And these parents were deemed domestic terrorists by our own government. And so things are out of whack here. And the Democratic Party are the ones in charge. And this falls more in alignment with the Communist Party of China and other authoritarian regimes. And so I question the um, the. Um, the patriotism of people that vote Democrat. It is anti, uh, it's the antithesis of what the Constitution stands for. You know, God, country, family, freedom of speech. You know, these, you know, we have the right to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. It's guaranteed in that document. The people that vote Democrat are against all that. And uh, God help us if Joaquin Jeffers. Jeffries becomes the Speaker of the House, and Chuck Schumer is still there with the Democratic president. Uh, they will finish nailing the coffin shut on our constitutional republic. Make no mistake about it. And all you have to do is look what's happened over, since Obama got inaugurated the first time. Look at the fundamental transformation of America. And do you think it's going to stop and get better if if we elect a, a lopsided Marxist Government, it'll get worse. That's why we are. Bad. That's why we are. Advocating show that you get informed and vote. Now we know that the voting system we've been talking about it has been skewed in the direction of less accountability. I think that's a pretty safe way to describe it. We really don't. The, the farther you get away from a day of voting and the more methods you get of voting, the less accountability you have integrity for the vote. And all it's done since the disputed election that we're all looking at now has gotten worse. I think, I don't think it's gotten any better. Has it Ted? Well, it's gotten better for the democratic party. It's gotten way well, that's worse. True. And and again, they are doing exactly what they wanted to do, what they said they were going to do, and they're bold enough to say we are going to do this. And we're watching it happen. And so, you know, shows like yours, there's a lot of information that comes out, but there, we need to have an action plan. And an action plan is for we, the people, demand from our elected officials that they change these voting rules, get rid of the extended voting, get rid of mail-in um, um uh, ballot, you know, sending in ballots. And for that two or three week period they have now, that needs to go away. I mean, no other country does that. The other thing is we need to have people be active at the polls, poll watchers. And we want to inundate those poll watchers uh, where we have maybe four or five, six people looking over everybody's shoulder. And it's not to intimidate them, although it is intimidating if you have that many people show up 
but it's also sending a message that by God, we are not putting up with this bull crap anymore. And that we're going to, we are going to make sure these are fair elections and that you're not going to cheat. You're not going to stop counting at 10 o'clock at night. And when everybody's leave, pull out the suitcase with ballots in it um, or have people stuffing ballots in these drop boxes. I mean, we need to have people at drop boxes, I guess, or super glue them shut. I don't know, weld them shut. Um, you know, it's just, it's wrong what's going on and it's destroying this country, but it's destroying the posterity that has been given to us that we're supposed to pass on to the next generation. And if we don't do something, we've allowed it and we're complicit. The possibility of um, this thing in the Middle East getting out of control is pretty clear to me. I mean, oh yeah, pretty clear to me. I mean, when you make these statements like, I want, I, you know, back to poker, really. You get these statements where, um, we're going to stand with Israel. What does that mean? I mean, and do you want everybody to know what you're going to do? I mean, you know, I'm mindful of the fact that uh, once upon a time I had in my class, when I was teaching uh, some guys who had been submariners during the time that Reagan was the uh, president. And one of the things Reagan did during that Lebanon situation where he actually commandeered that plane in the sky. Do you remember that? Yeah. Over Mediterranean. Yeah. As he uh, brought the submariners and submarines into the Mediterranean and parked them on the bottom. Never told anybody, you know, but hey, I'm here. You guys know what we need. I ain't going to tell nobody you're there. You know, I'm not going to tell anybody where we're coming from or whose side we're on, but you'll find out. You know, he was yeah. really a heck of a president, wasn't he? He really was, you know, and, and I think he got shortchanged. You know, of course, the media and the left went after him and, you know, um, because it went against their agenda. So that tells you how far this transformation has been going on. Yet when Obama came in, they found the perfect puppet and I don't want to call him a stooge because I think he was very smart in being able to implement what their desires have been for a very long time. And it's the people that want power and they want authority and uh, they want control. And these are the people that are pushing this whole agenda. And they find people like Obama that hates America. I mean, you can read his book, The, the Dreams of the Hopes and Dreams of My Father where he says in there that if there is a conflict between Muslims and Christians, he's going to have to side with his Muslims brothers. And I mean, he says that in his book. So, you know, I take him at face value and um, yeah, we've got some scary stuff going on in this country and we've been blessed and cursed at the same time, blessed by the quality of life we have, but cursed because it leads to complacency. And I always thought, just uh, on a on a uh, a family level, he should have mentioned his mother. You know, do you ever remember Obama mentioning his mother? Only time his mother got mentioned is when uh, President Duterte of the Philippines uh, slandered her and called her a effing word with starts with a W H O R E. And Obama was indignant at that moment, but it was very short-lived. But other than that, I've never heard him um, mention her at all. She was mentioned a little bit in her in that book, but not 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 nothing like the praise and edification he gave his father. He he worshipped his father. Yeah, he was a Muslim person that did not like American. Right. Well, we're talking with Ted Yoho. I'm looking at the chat line here. Um, we have one of our listeners says she's a watcher, poll watcher at every election. I've done the poll watching before. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. I've done the poll watching. It's, uh, you know, it's not that, you know, you can maybe watch, say that watching paint dry is a little more exciting. Yeah. But nevertheless, it's uh, imperative that uh, someone be there to kind of keep an eye on things. Otherwise, uh, who knows? I mean, I, I'm mindful of this story, Ted. Um, Yvonne Henson Rawls was her name at the time. Oh, I know her well. Yeah. She ran against him. She 
went inside the precinct. As a candidate? As an advocate for, but she wasn't a candidate, if I remember this right, but she violated the, uh, you know, she wasn't there to vote, in other words. Uh You're supposed to be 100 feet away, I think, if you're going to. Right. Okay, well, she was in. She was inside. Inside well, polling place. Yeah. And so somebody oh, complained about it. And Pam Carpenter was the supervisor then. And rather than punish Yvonne Henson Rawls, she fired the poll watcher for letting Rawls in there. And I always thought, well, that was a doggone, you know, sleight of hand treatment of justice. Yeah. And, and so that's why I say it takes a little bit of gumption to be a poll watcher and you have to be on your toes to know because everybody's going to be trying to get away with stuff. I, I'm going to tell you, you know this, They'll, especially as you walk the gauntlet into the into the area, uh, you can get stuff shoved in your face and all this, that one and another. But yeah. I always remember that. Um, and some of these precincts are, are not well used, let's put it that way. And so you might sit there for quite a while and not see somebody come. Uh, Nevertheless, it's important to be there. So this is one of the basic requirements of making democracy work. And they have been eroded, I think, quite seriously, really, particularly with the absentee ballot. The absentee ballot, oh, my God. And the use of private money in public elections to provide this absentee ballot, as in Zuckerberg's. Wow. That's really where it happened. Well, it is. And I forget if that bill, and I think it does, that uh, uh, John Lewis Civil Rights Voting Act that Pelosi signed into law. And the, the Congress before that, I was in Congress, and it was called the People's Choice Act. I remember being on a Gainesville radio talk show early in the morning saying if this bill passes, the Republicans will be hard to win an election ever again. And that was before it got passed in the law. But in that bill, there was money going from the taxpayers to every candidate to fund their election, to try to make it fair for everybody. And I think there's way too much money in elections. I think Citizens United where it gave corporations the right uh, of a citizen. I think that's wrong. Uh, Just as I think it's wrong that unions have the voice that they have. You know, I know so many union members that are conservatives, they pay their due and 90 plus percent of those dues support the Democrats and the union member doesn't support that. But if they speak out, their job becomes um, in jeopardy. And uh, I think all this is wrong. I think we ought to go back to, and, and I, I pride our campaign because it was a grassroots campaign. Uh, that first election, we raised 300000 and I don't oh, think yeah. I ever raised over 800000 And um, we weren't in favor of uh, K Street, the lobbyists, uh, other than maybe the agriculture and veterinary community. Um, we took very little uh, K Street money, and I sent money back. I think I got a check from the ACLU, and I returned it. I says. I, I don't believe in your cause. You know, I believe in worker rights and all that, obviously, but not the intimidation. It's kind of like what they're doing now in the auto industry. They're asking for a 32-hour work week and a 40% increase in pay. Well, heck, who wouldn't want that? But I don't think that's right. Those numbers don't work. <laughs> yeah. Make me not want to buy an American <laughs> car. You know, Toyota's looking pretty good. Well, we're talking with... Uh... Ted Yoho, who has been a faithful participant for Wednesdays now, no matter where he is in the world, uh, what time of day it is, it's really remarkable. It's amazing. Uh, right it's now, been a pleasure home. to be able to do that and contact <laughs> your show and, and report in from the different areas. And I hope the viewers like it. I'm going to be in South Korea um, in November, I think the 15th. Um, no, the 11th, the 11th, and New York on the 15th. Uh, uh, I don't know if it falls. <laughs> it's amazing. What do you make of what's going on? Oh, we got a couple of minutes left of North Korea. Um, 
they're messing around. They're there. What are they up to? I mean, just usual. North Korea, you know, it's the, they call it the hermit kingdom for a reason. One of the big things they do, and this is how they get a lot of their money, is through uh, cyber crimes. You know, they hold, they hack into these systems, they hold them hostage. Really? That attack on Sony Pictures back years ago, I think that was traced back to North Korea. And they make billions of dollars doing this. They pay their people to do this. And, um, of course, the, those people don't get to keep the money. It goes to the to the regime. And I think you're going to see North Korea be more behind the scenes, but also a little bit more bold in what they do in supplying arms, nuclear um, technology, which they got from Pakistan's, uh, Pakistanis. And, um, you know, I think you're going to see them become a stronger player and they will not side with the United States of America. They'll side with Russia, Iran. Uh, they're not. They're somewhat uh, leery of China, as everybody is. But yet, they are going to align more with them than they will the United States and South Korea. So I think it's it's something that's going to play out in the future. And I don't think it'll be good for world peace and stability. Is our big deterrent there our alliance with Japan, South Korea? And Japan. South Korea and that, Japan. That alliance, those three, us, us with Japan and South Korea, it's a, it's almost like a NATO type of organization. It's not, but it's one, it's our strongest relationships between nations outside of NATO. Uh, I think it's stronger than NATO um, because those two countries both view existential threats, one from North Korea one from China. Um, you know, uh, the Middle East has, of course, you know, the Iran. Uh, and then NATO, they don't view Russia as an ex- existential threat. If they did, they would be more active and they would be demanding more things. And then you have the presidents like Macron from France buddying up with China, <laughs> which just absolutely does not make sense. And I hope people vote him out along with Trudeau up in Canada. It's strange. I mean, all we got to do is, yeah, is yeah, and look at our commitment to freeing France in World War II and scratch your head. Well, you know how history is. History goes to the victors. And if we win, these times that we're going through right now will be the uh, um, the preface of World War Three. And I hope we can avoid that. And I hate to sound so doom and gloom, but there's just so much that I read and I get informed with that um, tells us that tough times are coming. And the American people, we really should be prepared for that, you know. And I, 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 there's ways to do that. I, I don't have time. We, you don't have time to go into that. I think I've taken up too much of your time. No, no, it's good. I mean, good conversation today. And um, but we, you know, we're wrapping it up with Ted Yoho, and just to let you know. We, Ted and I have been talking about this now for a long time. Uh, not that we have a crystal ball, but we darn sure have been concerned about trends that we see that are right now even more dangerous than ever because they've been disregarded. The border, the debt, uh, a lot of immature conversations in uh, institutions and even the institutions themselves, politically motivated, not trustworthy. Uh, oh, yeah. All this uh, business of, um, you know, inquisitions and all that, um, it's really not good. It, and, well, and if you could get the, the Republican Party, and it could be even a, a, another party, focused on the things that make America strong. All this other stuff, Hunter Biden's laptop, I could give a damn about, other than how it tied into, you know, the election and not having Joe knocked out of it. But we really ought to be focused on how they change the rules of the voting game, you know, and we should be really focused on that. We should be focused on our debt. We should be focused on our board. And, you know, I don't need another hearing to focus on those. I mean, we're, it's pretty self-evident and they just need to have the action. And that's where Congress fails the Republican side. The Democrats will go out and do it, even if it's illegal, and then be challenged in court. We don't want to do it because it may be illegal, so we we give pause. I'm like, damn the torpedoes, go out and do it because it's the right thing to do, secure the border or, you know, these other things that we talked about. 
Well, we're out of time, Ted, and uh, Ted will be here tomorrow night at the Black Tie Blue Jean in Legacy that Park. Is tomorrow night. That's Good right. Life community. City of Wallachia, Good Life Community. So uh, thank you all for listening. Thanks for your comments in the chat line. And we hope you have a great day. Stay dry. It's probably going to be a little rainy. And Ted, we'll see you when we see you. Take yep. care. Thanks for the opportunity to be on your show. Take Thanks care. Ward Hall, Command Center out.